every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. If you don't like it, screw you, but this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the, the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> Times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. Lying on the floor, flopping around like a <laughs> like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, want, if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, hope he pitches me to whoever he is. Like, if you think that way, then you're just trying to use people. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, that's him. Wow, you got the part. Hired on the spot. Yeah. He pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. As soon as you start telling stories and having actors touch people's heads and hearts with their performances, you're going to have people that are going to want to connect to the people behind those voices. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and that's true for me today. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's been a little while. Apologies for that. Uh, with the conference that myself and Karin put on and a few other things, other podcasts, other projects, the podcast did take a little bit of a back seat. So sorry for the delay, but we are back stronger and more exciting than ever. <laughs> I hope we already have a few interviews banked and they are excellent, if I do say so myself, and I can't wait for you to hear them. We will be putting out episodes every other week, like I was doing in the previous run, and we're going to be filling in a few subjects that uh, have been neglected up until this point, and none more so than today's subject, which we'll get to shortly. As per usual, you can find us on social media and patreon.com slash voschool. If you want to support the podcast and get this a little bit earlier, you might already be a supporter and you're listening to this before everyone else, so thank you to you. And yeah, so let's get to today's episode. This was the live representation manager agent panel from Vocation. Vocation was the conference that myself and Karin organised. Firstly, I want to say thank you to everyone who attended. It was incredible. <laughs> An amazing weekend. Um, Karin and myself, we couldn't believe how great it was how enthusiastic everyone was the attendees the speakers the volunteers it was just an amazing weekend and we will shortly have an announcement to make about next year but uh, you'll have to hold tight for that a little bit longer but next year is going to be bigger and better let me put it that way <laughs> now this panel it was a really really illuminating panel and surprisingly funny <laughs> as well uh, you'll hear that shortly now one final thing before we get to the panel and that is to say that i have a class coming up i will be teaching my tackling tech class at arts on site for voice actors of new york city that is going to be on december the 15th so if you're in the new york area do come along to that it's a donation-based class so you get to choose how much you want to pay for your ticket <laughs> 
and I'm going to be covering everything you need to know to set up your home studio. Now, the way I've organised it is that I go through everything in stages, and then after each stage, we're going to have a Q&A. So we never move on through the class until you're fully aware of what's going on and how everything works. And it's a really great way of covering a huge amount of information in a three-hour window. And we do cover everything you need to know to set up your equipment, to set up your space, how to operate your recording software, and how to create MP3s and WAV files that are going to book you jobs and satisfy your clients. So to find out more, go to voschoolpodcast.com and I'll have a link to that. And that's that. So let's get to this panel. It's such a thrill to be back with this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll have a quick ad and then we'll get into our vocation panel with Tim, Eileen and Phil. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins, and these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. My name is Jimmy Celeste, and I'm a voice actor of NYC. And today, it is my unmitigated pleasure to present the Agent Panel, sponsored by Lotus Productions. Today we have Tim Walsh from Atlas Talent. Phil Sutphin from ACM Talent. And Eileen Shellhorn from DDO. And today's panel will be moderated by the co-creator of Vocation, Jamie Muffet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our representation panel. We have three fantastic agents and one manager. (laughs) So first of all, I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves, and I'd like to find out a little bit about how you got into the position that you're currently in, how you started. So, Eileen, why don't you kick things off? Sure. Hello. Uh, My name is Eileen Shellhorn. I started out in uh, talent management, and then I went over to Innovative Artists, where I was an agent for over 11 years. Um, I did a year and a half of producing, casting, just sort of traveling, enjoying life, (laughs) Um, taking a little break. And then three years ago, I was asked to start the voiceover division at DDO. uh, And so I head up New York, LA, and Chicago. Great. I guess I'm next. Um, My name is Phil Sutphin. I'm at ACM Talent. And I began um, at Don Buckwald and Associates in the early 90s. Um, transitioned to a company, SEM&M, which doesn't exist and was the biggest agency of the 90s and somehow completely disappeared. Um, before SEM&M folded, I went to ICM where I ran their voiceover division for several years and transitioned from there to my own management company, which is currently ACM Talent. Okay, right, Tim. Hi, I'm Tim Walsh. Um, so I originally started at Innovative Artists. I got the job by this one over here. Um, we went to college together, 
multiple colleges together, I should say. Um, and I was there for about a year and a half, two years, and then I've been at Atlas Talent Agency for about 13 years, where I head the commercial department in New York and Los Angeles. Okay. So, Phil, before we begin, you're the odd one out, uh, in a way, <laughs> because you're a manager. So can you define what that difference. role is compared okay. to an agent? Yeah. It, it's funny, because by far the most asked question of my life. Um, there is not a big difference between what I do and what Eileen and Tim do. Um, managers have a different business model where we commission careers. Everybody who works with us, um, we commission their business from the moment they come in to the moment they leave, if they ever leave. But the biggest difference is we just have significantly less clients. We're much more focused um, towards sales, towards bringing in new opportunities. And, you know, myself and my partner both worked for big Hollywood agencies. And when we got together, we said, you know, we don't want to go into those meetings anymore. I just told a story about meeting Bernie Mac years ago. And it was an unbelievable meeting. He was hysterical. He basically gave us the monologue, which would be the opening monologue for a show. And the entire time I was saying to myself, he's costing me money. I need to go back and do my job. <laughs> so, you know, we created a management company basically to give us time and energy, et cetera, to pursue the kinds of business we want to pursue for our clients. Do you work in different genres? I know that trailers are a big thing for managers. Yeah, we're, the majority of managers in the voiceover business really focus on movie trailers. We are much more diverse than that. In fact, you know, we really focus on diversity. Um, commercials was by far, you know, our biggest quote-unquote weakness for years. Um, and we recently added a bunch of commercial people specifically to take care of it, but we do everything from promos, narrations, trailers, um, obviously commercials, politicals. Um, we really focus on as many genres as possible because we believe that the diversity of jobs is the difference in you know careers these days, not necessarily diversity of commercial conflicts, for instance. So. Yeah, so we, we want to get on the map with this conference, so I'm going to invite a little controversy here. Is there ever any friction <laughs> between you guys, between agents and managers? Does that ever cross over? Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's go into that. <laughs> uh, it, it depends on the... Certain agents want to handle business a certain way. We obviously want to do our business a certain way. If it doesn't jibe, we just generally don't work together. Yeah. Is that your experience, Arlene? Yeah, I'm, I think that there shouldn't be, yeah. in my opinion. There sometimes is, but I don't think that it's necessary. Um, I think that agents and managers should be working together for the clients, um, and we have different things to offer each other. So it shouldn't be, but yes, it does happen. Yeah. What about you, Tim? Oh, I agree. <laughs> Same with Eileen. I mean, if I'm getting paid, I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's been my experience with you. <laughs> okay, so everyone here is 
rabid to find out how to get signed to a great agency. So we're going to dig into that a little. We're going to reduce the amount of questions that I'm going to be asking today so that we're going to give you guys opportunities to ask. But I want to start out now by finding out how you choose talent to work on your rosters and to work with. Um, so how important is experience for a talent coming to you when you are deciding whether to add them to your roster? Eileen, why do you kick off? Um, I think for me, it's... Yes, experience is good. I think that um, work ethic, personality, how easy you are to work with is much more important. Uh, obviously, if I am taking you onto my roster, then I believe in you. So, you know, there is a reason why, and I know that maybe you don't have the experience yet, but I can definitely get you there. Okay, great. Yeah, Phil? Um, we're in a little different scenario. Um, I, I've said for years that our business in general used to be a talent business, and I, I really feel like it's a service business now. So what Eileen was saying about you know being able to work with people is so crucial. We also, as managers, really focus on people who can perpetuate jobs as opposed to just getting jobs. So we really look for track records for everyone we work with. And you know, we unfortunately don't have the bandwidth to focus on younger talent and getting them off the ground. Um, we're focusing much more on established talent. Yeah, Tim. Um, so my favorite thing is I love to work with people just right out of college. Um, and kind of prepare them for the VO world since really no colleges offer or you don't learn how to do voiceover. Um, so I really take the 20-year-olds under my wing and I will sign somebody that I just believe in. I don't need a demo. I just need you to be able to work and go to auditions. We're also a kind of a boutique agency, so I only take on people that I don't already have two or three of that type. So I do turn down a lot of people, but that's because I don't think I can get you the opportunities that I could without hurting my signed clients already. Um, so I love working with new talent if I have space. So if a talent comes to you and they've got an incredible voice, but maybe they're a little rough around the edges, do you have the bandwidth to work with them a little bit to we smooth do. those edges? We do. Um, we also send them to classes. If we... Uh, we can only do so much as agents. You know, we have the agents. Um, so if I keep going back and saying these aren't up to par with the rest of the talent, you're not getting out of the agency with it, I will send them to voiceover classes or recommend them. And then it's up to the talent to invest that money to help their career. Yeah. So, so Eileen, you, you mentioned a little bit about the business side as well, the, the talent's responsibility. You, you help them a little bit with that too, maybe? Yeah. Managing their, their business and... Absolutely. Operations. I mean, we're very hands-on. So, you know, in terms of even like what Tim was saying with if the MP3s aren't up to par, then we'll listen to it and can tell from that what they need to fix and, and how to fix it. Um, so, you know, we will work with them on that side too. But it's really just about like needing, you know, you have to be available. You have to communicate. You have to, you know, all of the things that you would do for a, a, you know, any of your jobs, like, and this, this is a job. Yeah. Auditioning is your job. 
Yeah, great. Uh, so, Phil, let's talk a little bit about trust. Actually, all three, I want you to chime in on this. Let's talk about trust with the talent that you have, because you're sending them out, essentially representing you when they go into sessions, if they're working in studios or working with clients. How important is that, that you trust that they're going to be professional and deliver what you say they're going to? It, it, it's so important that I actually don't think about them representing us. I, I, I actually... Um, I, I am assuming everyone we work with is so professional that when they're hired, the people are going to be, you know, impressed and want to work with that talent again. And we're the conduit. So, you know, they're obviously going to call us when they call the book them again. But the fact is we just want them to be so on top of their game that they're the tip of the spear and we're the rest. Yeah. Senior. In agreement, Tim. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a definitely a 50-50 partnership. I don't want to hear from a producer that my talent that I represent was rude, and they definitely don't want to hear from producers or casting directors that I was rude. So it's definitely you know a partnership that you know we have to trust each other. It's it's a partnership. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's just the trust has to be there, and if there's ever a sense that you know you don't feel comfortable in a situation, it goes back to communication. Everything goes back to the communication and just relaying that. And, you know, if it's your first time in a studio, then, you know, we can have a conversation about that. But if we don't know that that you're feeling that way, then, you know, we're, we're not mind readers either. So, but like Tim said, the worst thing for us is to get a call or an email that somebody was unprofessional in a session at an audition. Um, so... That's an easy way to get cut right off that list. Can you dish some dirt on sessions that have happened? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so maybe this is for you guys rather than you, Phil, because you're, you're not necessarily taking on maybe earlier career actors. How do people who are fairly early in their career but maybe have some potential, what would be a good way for them to reach out to you and get your attention? Good question. <laughs> um, I... Um, I think getting in front of casting directors, getting in front of agents is the best way to do it. Um, for me, I will take, I will prioritize the um, submissions that are referred by producers, by casting directors to me, or somebody who I've met uh, in a session. Other times, it's just luck of the draw. If I have five minutes <laughs> to go through my you know, huge folder of submissions that I get every day and, or there's like a keyword, you know, uh, home studio, ISDN, source connect, phone patch, like keywords in the body of your email, uh, a language that you speak, an accent, like things that we would maybe not necessarily have a ton of people that, you know, are, are on our list for that. So, you know, I would do an email search and then that email would pop up. Has anyone approached you with some wacky gimmick that has got your attention and, at any point or is it just they, they hit you with an email? That doesn't really work on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tim, you're looking, you're rolling oh, your eyes. Don't, yeah, don't send me baked goods. <laughs> it's never going to happen. He prefers um, wine. I did have... And if this person's here, it didn't work. I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> Somebody sent me a shoe. 
<laughs> and it said, I got one foot in the door. Oh. <laughs> it was cute, but it was my size and I wanted the other shoe. <laughs> so, it's, it was a little creepy. Don't send me anything. <laughs> what about non-shoe-related ways to get in contact with you? Um, so, client referrals are number one. Uh, casting director referrals, uh, producer referrals, those all help. So if you guys are meeting casting directors in New York, they'll come to us and be like, I love this person, Tim, you should meet them. Um, if you're sending a cold submission, uh, the way it works is we go about maybe once a month through them, and we literally weed them out very quickly. So I already know what I need in my roster. If you don't fit that, you're going past the pile. So cold submissions is the hardest way to get it. But you know, I do go to um, improv a lot and uh, stand up a lot to look for talent because that's big. Um, but if you ever see an agent that's going to be at like one-on-one -on -one or actors connection and stuff, it's a good way to get in front of them and just read. Um, I have signed people from those classes also. Yeah, and that being said, just to go back to the submissions, I don't know if you're going to talk about that later, but let's just yeah. do it now. Um, <laughs> the uh, when you're send, if you are sending a blind submission, you really need to like shorten those. <laughs> I there is no easier way to get to my trash box unless you just if there is a long email and I'm like, this is too much yeah. stuff. If there's a link to a website, like if we want an attachment because we also use that to submit. So it's easier if I have a demo as an attachment versus now I have to search your website for it. That doesn't help me. It's just like more stuff to look through. We're working way too fast um, and we need to just easily access what we need. So you want attachments on emails? Yes. Is that something we've heard uh, I, I, the other I, way around? I, I was going to say I'm not sure I you, want you that. Don't, don't. <laughs> no. Okay. It's going to be each. I want one, and I also want you to send your emails Monday through Thursday from ten to four. Yeah. No other time. <laughs> Do not email yeah, me on the weekend. That, that, like... That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Do it when we're sitting in front of our desks and we can literally open it right then and there. If you send me on a Saturday and Sunday, I feel like you don't respect my time off. I'm not going to look at it. We're like 6 a.m. I'm like, what are you doing at 6 a.m.? Christmas me morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> you touched on this a little while ago, referral referred from in the subject, in the yes. subject line. Yes. Is, is that the key? The key, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Any other way to any other way to get your attention? Keywords? You actually you mentioned home studio was was one of them. Too, yeah, right? just like if there's you know if there's in that body of the email, it's you know any experience. But like I don't need to know every audition you went on and every single booking. If you have your resume there, I don't you know or, or your demo, I don't need to know every single thing. But if there's special like languages or accents or you know things something that you specialize in. And then any home studio. And if you um, booked anything. And if you live out of town. <laughs> so if you're submitting to me and you say you have a home studio, but then you live in New York, you're automatically just saying, well, I have a home studio. So to me, that means you don't live here. You can only do home studio submissions. You've already taken yourself out of the market of going to casting directors in person. So, you know, it's just getting it all really narrowed down, quick, concise. And we're, we're in New York, so it's a commercials town. You know, you guys, there's a lot of work for that 
here. If you're more of a character voice, should you prioritize maybe your animation demo as the first first demo to include, or do you just always want to hear the commercial demo? If they're submitting it to me, only I only want commercial. Okay. So most agencies that I've worked for and know, if you're going to send me your animation demo, I don't do animation. So that's going to either get sent to Heather, who lives in Los Angeles, um, and she's not really going to take a New Yorker for animation. So the best way to get into an agency is through commercials, do well in commercials, and then say, hey, I have interest in animation. I have interest in documentaries, promos. Because um, most of those departments are not going to take somebody that's new. Yeah, we're kind of the reverse, where we want we want all the demos. We want to be able to hear, you know, everybody who comes to us generally does one thing exceptionally well, maybe two things. We want to see the potential of the other things, you know, whatever that may be. And, you know, sometimes we'll listen to a commercial demo and say, eh, and then hear, you know, a narration demo. It's like, oh, there's something much more genuine here than I heard on the commercial demo. I, yeah, I, I want every demo that you have. But if you're just writing asking only for animation, I think it's foolish um, in New York especially. But I work on everything. Um, so to me, I want to know everything that you can do. And, how, and they should be separate demos. Yeah. How long are you giving to these demos? How long Do you know within one second whether you want to carry on or, or you just go, well, maybe this will pick up? It's like generally five seconds. Yeah, yeah five okay. seconds. Three to five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so really nail that first five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, and there, are there And any... it shouldn't be taken up with like, hi, my name is this, and this is my animation demo. Yeah, it was five seconds. Or, hi, it's like, <laughs> you're okay, out. now you've already wasted my time, on right. to the next. If we hear something in, you know, three to five seconds, we're generally listening longer. Yeah. So, you, you know, it really is setting the stage for what the demo should be. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you're all... You've all got one ear to potentially listening out for a, for a new talent for your roster. You're never closed off like, we're done, we've got everyone we need. We always have people who are, you know, out doing, um, you know, out on tour on a show or starting rehearsals for a Broadway show or they want to move to L.A. and see what that's like or they're taking a break or they're having a baby or they're, you know, it's like there's, we're always like filling, like refilling all the time. And you're looking for things, you're looking for voices that are current and where you think the commercial industry or the promo industry or narration industry is going. So you want the talent to be aware of what is current and where it's going, right? So you're looking for new, fresh voices. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're all looking for talent that can complement our current talent. Yeah. Yeah. So. so let's go into the working relationship now. So let's assume you've signed these, all these people in this room. <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> um, Let's go into the detail of working with talent day to day. What are you requiring of them, ideally as a, as a talent on your roster? You can, what, what jumps to your mind is the most important thing, Eileen? Communication. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking, so that was perfect. <laughs> oh, did you put, I'm so he sorry. You said Eileen. <laughs> but you said exactly what my brain thought, so it was I, perfect. I, it was you. a lead into you. Go ahead. No, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I would say it's communication. Um, the worst thing is, especially if you're a new talent and we're really excited to work with you and you don't give us your book out dates, um, you're like, hey, I'm going to Puerto Rico and next week and I don't know about this and I'm pitching you to casting directors and producers. You get that appointment and you're like, I'm not here. I blow up. 
because you know I can't just not show up to my job without letting my boss know that I'm not coming in today. That's the same respect that I expect from my clients to do. Just let us know. We are on email. It's literally not here, you know, June 5th through the 12th. Done. We'll put it in your uh, calendar. We also want you to respond to our emails in a timely manner. That really helps. Um, <laughs> you know, my boyfriend's always like, you're working late. I'm like, because they haven't responded, and I have to make sure that they're going to their booking in the morning or they're going to this audition. So just be on your email. Everyone has email on their phone. Set an alert for when Tim at Atlas Talent emails you and get back to me. Yeah, definitely put those alerts on your phone if you're working with somebody because there's nothing more frustrating than not hearing back from a talent for us. Um, We are, everything is so fast again. The amount of auditions that we have that are same day, uh, bookings that could be same day, avails, like we're we're getting from producers, they'll send us an avail check. They might send it to us at 8.30 in the morning and we're sending it to you. I mean, it's before our workday even starts. And by, you know, 10 o'clock, they're like, why haven't they responded to you? You know, they're right, they're on us about that. So we need to get back to them and service them as well. So we need that communication. Um, going back to the bookouts, like we shouldn't have the bookouts after we've already gotten you the appointment. Um, it's like, oh, wait, I'm actually not here. I'm leaving today. It's like you didn't know that you were getting on a plane in two hours? Like, I don't, it doesn't, you, you have to communicate that. How detailed should they be if, if they've got a haircut uh, that's taken out? So it's the length of time that you're gone. If you get back, but your flight gets in at 10, 11 a.m., you could be available that afternoon. But account for travel time and book out all of that time. And we want to know where you're going. Where where are you going? Because maybe there's a studio there that if you get booked, we can book a studio. Uh, Can you MP3? Can you still do the auditions while you're gone or are you in like a remote desert somewhere? You know, we need to know everything. Yeah, Yeah. Phil? With us, communication is obviously crucial too, but um, all of our clients have home studios. And the majority of our clients also have a backup traveling rig. So it's very rare that someone goes somewhere and they can't do the job. We just literally track them down. It's like, can you do this? It's like, yeah, yes or no. Back to the idea of knowing where they are, though. We've all done this long enough to have some idea where there's recording studios mm-hmm. in some far-flung places. So, you know, for our clients, we just want real professionalism, real knowledge of how the business works day to day and how they can service their clients and the clients we brought to them to the best of their ability. Okay. And speaking of home studios, of course, that's crucial now, right? And with all the connection abilities as well, you you touched on that earlier. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's still, if you're in New York, you if you're outside of New York, absolutely. You need a full home studio, um, with the connections, everything else. If you're in New York, Yes, it's nice to have. It's a plus. Um, But you definitely need to be able to audition from home and have it be, you know, good enough quality for auditions. Yeah, I'll make this point, too, in in regards to being New Yorkers. Um, I had a longtime client who, you know, we all know, who lived on the Upper West Side just down the street above a firehouse 
and worked from his back room for 15 years. You know, if the fire engines went off, he'd say, uh, hold on a second, there's something going on outside, just give me a minute. Would be right back there, you know, five minutes later, whatever it took. Producers are tolerant. And, you know, to a certain degree with New Yorkers and being a New Yorker, I think I can say this, that the idea of not having a lot of space has been a crutch that has been relied on way too much. And people can figure things out. You know, there's so many great microphones. There's so much great equipment that, you know, again, you can knock off, you know, a quick 30-minute session um, even above that firehouse. And it's a little bit genre-dependent as well, right? Some Certain genres, you need to turn it around really quick or some they'll give you a bit of a lead time so you can maybe book a studio. Right, yeah. Do you want to talk about in that? The, in the promo world, it is most likely the same day. Yeah. You know, that you don't even know that you booked it because we submitted your demo and we're calling you up and, like, they're going to call you in 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> those clients have to be home. Um, but I'm not a promo agent, so I'm not going to actually dive into that one. Um, but commercials, we have a little bit more. Le- it's still very fast turnaround, uh, but there is a lot more leeway, usually not by the next day, which is a nice little buffer. Yeah. Yeah, but audition-wise, we don't have time, no. and that's what gets you the job most of the time. So you still have to be able to audition. I, you know, to hear from people, I, you know, I'm not home, so I can't send anything until 11 o'clock tonight. Like, my opinion is like figure it out like there's the technology on phones these days you there's no reason why you can't just go somewhere and put a coat over your head and audition and, and get it to us and you know just make sh- it's about the space that you're in more than what you're recording on you know it's so if the space is contained and you know, there's not all this outside noise, and, you know, you can figure it out. And some producers are really nice, and they know if they gave us two hours to cast something, they will sometimes write, phone submissions are okay, yeah. we just need to hear voices. And there, there's microphones that fit right into phones, phones beyond, yeah. you know, they cost $100. Yeah. So, you know, if you're really committed to doing this, you might want to keep it in, you know, whatever you're carrying your stuff in and just have it ready to go if you know you're going to be away from your home for several hours. So we had a discussion the other yesterday morning, actually, um, with three fantastic working pros, and two of them moved out of the city. And since they left the city, the in-person auditions have dried up for them. How important is being in the city these days, even now with all the connection abilities and MP3s and stuff like that, how important is being in the city for a lot of these commercial jobs, would you say? Or at least being commuted. Buffalo and South Carolina. I have clients who commute from Maryland to make in-person auditions, so... So what's your excuse? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry. I didn't know who it was. <laughs> so you have to come into this. This is still well, an important part. We're lucky enough still in New York City to have wonderful casting directors that want to see people in person and direct them. Those are the ones that the clients book the most because they're only seeing, you know, they're getting paid for half a day. They're seeing 30 people. So your odds are so much better. Um, in the L.A. market, it's, you know, 
they have less than half of the casting directors that we have in New York, and most of it's MP3, where they're competing with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people on one audition. So to be in New York and not make a casting director's audition is mind-blowing, because that's the ones that you will book. And they also get some really good, meaty, you know, national network ones, you know, voice of, that could set you up for a very long time. So usually if I do have clients that are in Pennsylvania and stuff, I won't submit them on like a radio audition that's not really going to be worth the money, but they will be definitely coming up for a TV, you yes, know, know, national spot, or else, you know, they're not going to be submitted on the next one, because I lost that time that I probably couldn't replace with another client of mine. Yeah, and, and as it pertains to us, we actually don't really deal with the New York City casting community. Um, we're much more focused on producer to producer, or manager to producer relationships. So almost everything we do is in-house. The stuff we do that we do have to have someone in New York and LA is one out of 100 you know, opportunities for us. Yeah. And for you guys, you want talent to maintain relationships with these casting directors, right? And and that's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can get you the first, second, or third appointment uh, with the casting director. Your job then is to maintain that relationship, do a good job, you know, in the session and the audition, book the job, at least get put on hold, or they liked you enough that they're like, I'm going to bring this person in again and again and again. If you don't do a good job, it's very hard for me to keep pushing you into the same casting director because they're like, they're not ready. They're not ready. I don't, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Be easy to work with when you show up. So maintaining the relationship, it doesn't mean emailing them and sending, you know, whatever to them. It's it's about showing showing up. Don't send them shoes. It's about showing up and doing your job, and that's to take their direction and give them what it is that they're looking for and being easy and you know not not copping a dude or something because you don't like what they're saying you know they're trying to get you somewhere and they're trying to get you where they think that they can take you um if they don't they'll say okay thanks bye and then that's it so and then they probably won't see you again you want that to say that like my link's not complete without this person so that they know that they need you to go in and make their link good that they're saying to the producer. That's how you kind of maintain a relationship. You might not book the job, but they think that you're good enough to keep bringing in. Because if they're seeing you again, that means that they saw something in yeah. you. That yeah. they, you know, it's good if they're seeing you again. Okay, let's switch the conversation now to buyers. And we're going to start with commercials because we're in New York, and Tim, you're a commercial agent as well. Um, what are buyers looking for in voices in 2019 and beyond, just generally speaking? Conversational. Yeah. Real. We've Natural. heard that a couple of times. <laughs> and uh, improv experience uh, yes. or comedy. Uh, comedy is really, really, really big now. Um, if there's any copywriters, you're great, but you're not as funny as you think, so... <laughs> The, um, they want you to make it funny, especially like those Geico scripts or you know anything that has a little bit of humor. They want you to be able to punch it, and they want to know that if they're being you're being brought in, that you know you might be able to do a little something extra in the uh, recording process. They want you to make it your own yeah. too. What's going to make you stand out different from everybody else who's reading the same exact script? Sometimes it's about like you know they're just giving you minimal. And it's about you, your interpretation of it and what you do with it. 
Yeah, there's a a great comedy manager who used to talk about, you know, to his clients about theatrical auditions in which he'd say, it's your job to create a problem. The casting directors usually have someone in mind Mm -hmm. and you have to go in there and you have to create the debate of whether you should be hired instead. Everybody who sends a voiceover audition has a very similar process in which they hear somebody in the head. The copywriters, that's, they hear themselves in their head. So, you, you know, everybody who auditions has to go in and do something that is unique to them that, again, creates that issue, that problem, that debate. How important is authenticity in that? Because we had Jill Kershaw last night mm-hmm. and from Sound of Fury, and she was talking a lot about that with some of the demos that we were playing. We were playing her demos and she was reviewing them and she kept coming back to an authentic voice like you were putting you were hamming it up too much you were giving too much to it I feel like if people uh, somebody has that voice that you're making like you're putting on but they probably don't have your natural voice anytime I've ever done a class and Aileen can vouch for this they come in, they talk, and we love their voice, and they go in the, behind the booth, and then they go deeper and stuff. I'm like, no, we like your natural voice much better. You become more conversational, it sounds more real, we get your personality through. Uh, don't think you need to have a booming, deep voice to do voiceovers, or like a high-pitched voice. You know, your voice is fine to do it. And what about other genres, um, say promo? What are, what are hot, what's hot in promo? I know that's probably not your area, Tim. So. It, 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 it's, it's not that different. Uh, it, it's, you know, again, you have to bring what's unique to you. And not everybody is going to have, you know, again, that deep voice for certain promo producers, but there's other types that they're looking for. And, you, you know, part of our job is not to guess what the producers want. You know, to a certain degree, talent shouldn't do the it either. They should be themselves, do what they do. It's a very historically masculine genre. What about female voices or non-white guy voices? <laughs> this is know. a hard discussion because... you got um, two minutes. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, it, it's legitimately not fair. Um, and it hasn't been fair for years and years and years. And believe it or not, there's some technological issues with female voices in the way um, stuff is produced in the industry, which, again, doesn't help women work in the industry. But with that said, um, you know, we never know when someone's going to break out. You know, ABC has had a female voice for the last five, six years, and, you know, it took... 40, 50 years for them to figure that out. But she's perfect for it. And she does a great job. And Anna? What's that? Anna Vocina? Yeah. 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 And there's a bunch of other networks who are thinking the same thing. I have a feeling as our politics evolve, you're going to hear more women doing promos. But, that, you know, the other part, and again, this is the unpopular part of this discussion, women historically have not had, you know, the technological wherewithal that some of their male peers have had. And, you know, there's a lot of male gearheads who just would dive, pay for everything under the sun, and it helped them in the world of, like, promos. Um, So, you know, if, for instance, women want to do more promo, I'd say make sure you have everything up and ready. And, you know, that first session is going to be the entree point that hopefully gets you, you know, completely different kind of career. What do you think, Arlene? Um, 
I agree. And I also think just the most important thing for both commercial, for promo, for anything to remember is the audition books the job. And when you show up to the session, you're probably... So we're saying that conversational and real and natural is what they want to hear when they get the audition. You show up to the session and they're directing you. And then there's somebody else. And then there's the client. And then somebody else wants to say. And someone else is trying to keep their job. And all of a sudden, you sound like a hard sell announcer. And that's what you have. But it's not what booked the job. So when people are sending these auditions back and they're asking for conversational, real natural, but you're like, well, I know what's going to book it, you're doing what's the finished product, and that's not what they want to hear for the audition. That's a great point. There there are two different processes in voiceovers. There is the audition process and the booking process, and they're not the same. I want to ask one more question before we go to the audience question. So if you guys want to start forming a line now. Um, A line, not a cue. Uh, (laughs) I made that mistake yesterday. Um, What would lead to a talent of yours possibly being terminated? Have you got any experiences of working with talent and they've done something so horrendously awful that you've been like, see you later, we're not interested in working with you? You don't have to name names, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say we've all terminated clients to a certain degree anecdotally. I, I don't think it's fair to address why we had to do that. Well, just in, in yeah. case they don't they want to fall into the same traps. So if they um, posted things on social media they shouldn't have or things like that or it, broken it, NDAs. It's usually not being smart. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Which, you know, I don't know how we solve that problem. Well, I uh, like, like, like dipping into it, you know, <laughs> dipping into another pool. Like all of a sudden somebody else starts, you know, sends you something and, and you know, we're, like for me, we're, if we're working with you, we're committed to you, and we expect the same in return. We don't expect you to just, you know, start taking jobs on your own or work with somebody else in that. So, like, for me, that's that's something. But, like, yes, social media, it's yeah. I've never terminated anybody from it, but I've had people lose jobs because of it. So even voiceover, it's, it's you know, it used to just be for on-camera stuff and film and TV. This is, it's totally coming into our world now. And there have been people who all of a sudden they go onto social media and they're like, well, they curse a lot on their page or their page is really political or their page is this and that. And they've lost out on big jobs because of it. Yeah, I I, I didn't terminate this person, but I had someone sign an NDA, do a session, and then as soon as they walked out of the session, post what the session was on Facebook. It's like, it's like you realize what you did, right? It's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, the rule of thumb with social media with me is when you see it on TV, you can post about it. Right. Other than that, shut up. <laughs> and like, you know? don't go on there and complain about agents and casting directors and producers because <laughs> everybody sees it and it gets back. It's a very small community. You know, so. I also feel that I've had seen some stuff online that like, hey, I just went in for this audition with blah, 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 casting director. Don't post that either because you are then having all your fellow actors then calling this casting director to try and get in to that appointment too. Or their agent. Or their agent to try and get them into this. So you just yeah. kind of like, maybe they were just seeing five people on it, so then now this casting director is getting bombarded, and then like, how do they know about this? I just went to see the select five on this one, so then we get in trouble because we're trying to get an appointment for other people 
So it's just better to... And, and that being said, that not even... It goes further than social media. Don't then call your friend and say, I just auditioned for this, and you would be perfect for it. <laughs> because, one, I, I think it's rude and disrespectful to that relationship. But if they were perfect for it, the casting director would have called them in. That's not your job. Your job is to worry about yourself, not anybody else. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's go to audience questions. Thanks. Hi, Brigham O'Brien. Um, if you have any clients who are not smart or uncommunicative, <laughs> I'm just putting myself out there. Um, but, woo. but in a in a real question for you, I have demos. They're fantastic. J. Michael Collins, amazing. If I'm going to submit to you, or if you're submitting my demos to your buyers, do you have a length that's ideal? Do you care if it's a minute 22? Do you want it, it 60 seconds? Yeah, it should be a minute. Even a minute. minute across the yeah. board. Thank you. Yep. Hi. Hello. I'm Kathleen France, and I came to New York to do musical theater originally, and it wasn't until recently that I started doing voiceovers. Something that you said, Tim, about how you guys like to go out and you find all the 20-year-olds, how does a person like me in their 40s break in with someone like you guys? Because I've been told, an agent from told me, she said, my roster of 40-year-old woman is, is filled with booking 40-year-old women. Mm -hmm. So why should I take a chance on you when I know they book and you may not, you know? So this is the problem I've been well, experiencing. Well, I, I don't think that that was a fair thing to be said to you. Okay. Um, because for me, we always need to keep our rosters fresh and new. Mm -hmm. So the reason to bring on someone who has acting experience, but maybe not necessarily voiceover, and also mm -hmm. singing experience, but maybe not voiceover, all that translates to voiceover. And, you know, and because we have to keep our list fresh for casting, for producers, if we're going to always send the same five, ten people to them, they're going to start searching and calling other agents and mm -hmm. other you know managers to find that talent because they're not getting anybody new. But well, like casting people ask for the same people as well that they know. Always. They also say to us, like, who else do you really... Our job is to push to the casting directors. If mm -hmm. we believe in someone, we're saying you're really missing out if you don't see them. That's part okay. of our job. So it's not just for them to call in who they always see. It's, but this person's really right for it, and you're missing out. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, we'll get an extra time. To answer your question, mm -hmm. it, it is going to be on the time of year and luck that somebody's like, I have an opening in the 40-year-olds, um, mm -hmm. or I have an opening, whatever age range it may be. But you want to be able to keep at it and being like, okay, here's what I'm doing to help you, you know, Get me in. I met Beth Melsky. I met, you know, and email them once a month on the same chain so mm -hmm. that I can see what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. you know, she's really working. She's really a go-getter. I really don't have to put that much time into a newer person. Right. Um, so if I see you're working on your end and you're going out there and you're meeting the casting directors and you're booking stuff and all that, I want to know that. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I can take a shot. 
Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Emily Matheson. Um, some people I've heard uh, are freelancing with multiple agencies. Um, is that something that in the industry you guys don't want to like know if your clients, if you're freelancing with them, that they're freelancing with other people or on other rosters, or is that acceptable? Do you not freelance at all? We have to know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, um, you know, if I am submitting to a casting director, I don't want to think that I am again investing my time into someone and then being told. Oh, I already got them. I already called, you know, called mm. them in through somebody else. Or if I'm only submitting 10 people on an MP3 audition and then you're telling me by the next morning when it's due, "Oh, I already got this through someone else." Now, out of my 10 that I wanted to send, I have one less. Mm. And I could have given that to somebody else. And that's what's, you know, so for me, I don't I'm not interested in freelancing. Mhm. We don't work for freelancers unless they're foreign language or accented or people of a certain age. Got it. Thank you. Hi, my name is Isolda Peguero, and I'm a bilingual voiceover artist. I come mainly for the broadcasting world, and I simply love voiceover. I'm sort of breaking in through the industry now. And my question was a follow-up to that, because now it's a thing that when you submit your demos, most of the time they, would, they won't sign you, but they will freelance with you. So what is the protocol when, ideally, when, I, when I've been submitted, I am upfront and I said, I've been submitted already for this, thank you, catch me next time. Is that something that bothers you as agents? Because we're being open and upfront, and if you don't want to be, if you don't want to sign me, then I, I'm forced to work with whoever wants to work with me. So, what is the protocol in that area? Do you get upset or? Well, generally it- in the foreign language market, like what Tim was saying, most freelance you don't yeah. sign. We, we, we know your circumstances. Yeah, it's it's yeah. completely different. So, um, if it's for uh, a casting session, then. That's the casting director. It's who submitted to casting first. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to, you know, to hear it that way. But we need to know because then we have to ask the casting director who they gave the time to. But if it's an MP3, we know that it's whoever sends it to you first. Hi, I'm Kui Kui. Um, my question is, how help when you and this? I'm thinking more of like on the animation side. Uh, I feel like it's more relevant in this. But in this current sociopolitical climate, how important is it for the work that you do with like commercials or promos or that side of things that if it has an accent or a dialect or a specific kind of racial profile that is being presented, how important is it for the talent to be of that representative? For example, if you're doing like uh, a Latino accent that that person has a Latino background. It's actually crucial because the producers didn't put out a breakdown for a Latino you know, hoping that some white guy <laughs> is going to do the job. Um, so, you, you, you know, you, you want to be what you are, and that's fine. And, you, you know, one of the great things about what's happening in the business in general, there's much more diversity, and they're looking for much more diversity. So opportunities that exist, you know, this year may not have ever existed prior. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I think it's. It depends. I've definitely had to have conversations and say, okay, is this exactly what you're looking for? Because it's based on their. You know, it's like we want this, but no accent, or you know, whatever it is. So it's. will I'll ask for clarification. But I sent some people to. It was fluent Japanese. Now I don't. Like for me, it's. 
you're fluent in Japanese, you're fluent in Japanese. Like that, you know, it's about your voice. I'm fluent right? in Japanese. But they showed up and they were like, oh no, this is, this is like, you don't look Japanese. Mm-hmm. And they turned them away. Yeah. They're fluent in Japanese, but they didn't look Japanese. So they got turned away from the audition. El Boon. Good morning. Hi, Eileen. Um, my question is about demo review. I was involved in the session with Jamie yesterday and Jill Kershaw and JMC. And in passing on the way out, he made a comment that I've yet to explore with him further about my demo. And that was, and I'd like to get your, your input on this, that my demo would do better in New York versus LA. Is that a thing? I have to hear you. I have yeah, no idea. I mean, we, we also have to know what demo it is. It was a commercial. Okay. Yeah, it was a commercial demo. But I've not, until yesterday, heard that there should be a different demo for L.A. versus New York. Is that... L.A. people definitely have a different read. And okay. usually L.A. buyers like an L.A. vibe read. Do you need to spend money on another demo? No. Okay. Demos are really to get agents and managers. They're, they're independent? No, they're to get agents and managers. Oh, to get, they're okay. really not designed to get work. Right. It, when people do get work off demo, it's, it's usually cross-referencing. Oh. So, you, you know, okay. you want to have something, you, you know, you want to have a storefront, but the fact of the matter is the entree point is usually through a representative. Hi, I'm Liz Hefner. Um, I've been in America for about 10 years, and when I first started looking into uh, voiceover, I lost a little bit of the British edge, and I was advised they to fix that. They don't need any more that. Brits, by the no. way. No. <laughs> Sorry, That's Jamie. That's not true. <laughs> Move over. <laughs> so I was advised to fix that, and I went the um, slightly crazy route of going and taking voice coaching to learn the standard American accent. And the overwhelming message that I've received from people from your panel, thank you so much, by the way, and from people I've met here, is to be the authentic me, because it's so much more important. My question to you is for someone in my position who can potentially offer more than one accent, um, is it going to be confusing? If I submit to you in American and English, is that going to make you think that one must be fake um, and introduce that element Just of suspicion? Just being honest about it, because we want to know if a lot of times, especially for British, they want to know authentic, where are they from? Mm-hmm. That's what the questions that we get. So if we can only submit authentic, we need to know that that's authentic. But if you can do American as well, then as long as there's no accent sneaking in there Mm -hmm. and it is clean, then why not? Hi, Bonnie Optikman. I want to go back to your question that you asked about promos. I know everything is authentic, conversational these days. No more announcery, no more big boom. It, is that holding true in promos as well? Is there no more extra sell that is being looked for in a promo? With promos, the entire nature of a promo is who, what, where, when. Right. You have to make points. So you're never talking like you would naturally, but at the same time, it still has to be you. Gotcha. Thank you. Uh, Mary O'Brady, I'm New York-based, uh, SAG-AFTRA. I did commercials a long time ago. This is an honest question. Is there work in commercials for women of a certain age? For both on camera and voiceover? Or just oh no, for just PO. Yeah, 
there's work for everybody. Okay. Is yeah. it, there's less work at the moment mm-hmm. uh, that's union, um, but there is still work for everybody that, you know, but you also have to look out here. There is may, way more women than men in this room right now. Right. And men get still more auditions. So, uh, well, I- interestingly enough, though, commercials, women in their 30s might be the biggest commercial bump. Yeah. Right. So, Karen Guilfrey. Again, older women are going to have less opportunities than 30 ish women, but that doesn't mean there's not great opportunities. So, there is still a market. There's still a market. There's still a market. I would just make sure you're modernizing your sound. Correct. So, if you did this, however, X amount of years ago, Mm -hmm. the sound has completely changed. Right. And, And by the way, no one needs to know. Of women of a certain age, mm-hmm. we'll use that term, um, they are doing a lot more pharma than ever before because men do not go to the doctor without their significant others telling them to. Beating them over the head, yeah. So, so <laughs> it's a lot more women on those. So if you are trying to get in the market, listen to pharma auditions. There is a women voice on almost every single one of them. And that's a specialty. We I trust the women more, too. Okay, good to know. Thank so you very much. So that's a great market, and that makes money. So And no one needs so. to know that you haven't done it either. I mean, anyone who's just getting started even, who doesn't, doesn't have the experience... You don't need to necessarily tell anyone that you haven't done it. You show up, you do a good job. No one needs to know how long you've been doing it for, what you've booked, what you haven't booked. Great. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. So before we thank our panelists, I want to thank Jim Kennelly, who's brought this panel together, and he's a sponsor of the Lotus Production. So thank you, Jim. So now let's thank our panelists, Eileen Shellhorn. Phil Sutfin and Tim Walsh. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, as always, to our guests, our sponsor, JMC Demos, and to Backstage Magazine. And a special shout-out goes to Patreon super member, Angus McLeod. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at VO School Podcast. And for early access to episodes and for other perks, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash VO School. I'll see you again next time.